as I was thinking about today and as I was praying, I really felt that this is what God wanted me to share. To, to share that you are valued. And it was when we were at conference a couple of weeks ago. Um, this, this just kind of came into my head and I don't know where it came from. I really felt that it was something me to share in the life of the church. Um, so if it's not a word for you, then I know it's a word for me. Okay. So if nobody else is bothered about what I'm saying today, I really don't mind because I know that God is speaking to me. And it was this little phrase. Uh, your value is not measured in your success or your failures. It's measured in the span of a man's arms. Yeah. Your value is not measured in your success or your failures, but it's measured in the span of a man's arms. Have you ever felt successful when the things that you're thinking about and planning went well, and you're like, great, it's all happening, and uh, your self-esteem was boosted, and you felt like you were invincible. And then something happened, and you realized how short the moment was, that moment of euphoria where you're like, yes, I'm getting it right. And then along came something, and it brought our walls tumbling down. We failed at something. And all of a sudden, in our own eyes, we were the lowest of the low. Do you remember the ten spies who came back? He talked about these giants and how we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Well, they were like grasshoppers in their own eyes. All of a sudden, they were the lowest of the low. And we can sometimes feel like that. But that's not the way God sees it. Because our value is not measured in our success or our failures. That's not the measure of our value. God sees things differently. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. You know, we have moments when we're up there and we're celebrating and we're full of joy and excitement. And then we have the moments when we're down and we really need somebody to come along and to pick us up. Well, here's the thing. God is the person who time and time and time again comes and picks us up, lifts us up. And this is such an important thing that we need to grasp. Lindsay, you talked about our identity. It's not the things that we do that identify us as who we are. It's not even how we look. Okay, if you're going through customs at the airport, it is about how you look, right? Okay, so we'll get that out of the way. But our identity as Christians is not dependent on how we look, how we sound, the things that we do, the things that we say. Our identity is in Christ. And I want to just explore just a few passages. It's not a complicated message. Um, Just thinking about this subject of you are valued. You're valued more than sparrows. This might sound like a strange thing to say. But that's what the Bible says. And let's look up Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. It says here, Jesus is speaking, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Even knows what colour those hairs on our head are. 
And he's doing a wee tally with mine because he's saying the grey are getting more than the black. As if I needed to be reminded. God knows us so well that even the very hairs of our head are numbered. That's a mind-blowing thought. Not just you and I, which would be mind-blowing enough, but every one of the seven billion people who walk this planet just now, God knows every single one of them. And he's keeping account. Every time I come out of the shower, the count goes down. God knows exactly who you are, and he says that you are worth more than many sparrows. Matthew 6.26 says this, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God knows what they need. The little tiny birds that we see, the ones that we feed on our bird feeders or whatever we do, if if you're into that type of thing, I don't feed them. Because you know what you get when you feed the birds? Messy windows, that's it. (laughs) Are you not much more valuable than they are? Sam, uh, Samus says this about God, I know every bird in the mountains. God knows his creation intimately well, and he knows us intimately well. And what the Bible tells us is that we are of infinite more worth than the sparrows. We're more, worth more than sheep. I'm making sure I'm catch, keeping up with this thing here. Worth more than sheep. And the the Bible talks about a time when Jesus is in the temple on the Sabbath day. For the Jewish person, that's a Saturday, not a Sunday. And there was a man in the temple that day who had a withered hand. And here's how the story goes. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And he said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as the other. This sounds really obvious, doesn't it? That a person is of more value than a sheep. That sounds really obvious. But Jesus is making the point here that we would do something, these guys, for their livestock. I don't think there's any farmers in here. Um, But even maybe for your pet, if you keep pets. That If there is something that animal needs, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is or which day it is, you will attend to its needs. And he's saying that we should not hold back because it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And so he healed the man. He just said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he was healed. Because what he was saying to those who were around about them, that this man is of more worth than your sheep that you will take the time to pull out of a ditch on for as a Sunday. This man is worth far more than that. Every human being has intrinsic value and I can say this because that's what the Bible tells me 
that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We're worth more than birds. We're worth more than sheep. And I really felt that we need to just spend a wee bit more time on this and that God knows what you need. Matthew 6, 25-34 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How uh, are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. I don't have a picture of a lily, but I do have a picture of a little thing called a wood anemone, which was taken uh, when I was up visiting my brother when he stayed up north. Just captivated by the beauty of this little plant. If you've seen the website, it tells you that I like, I like nature, just in case you didn't know that. Our church website has got a new picture on it. And as I looked at that, it made me think about how incredible God's creation is. And this little flower which is on it, and it says here about the, the flowers. Um, uh, see how the lilies of the field grow. Let's, let's go on. They do not labor or spin. They don't work. They don't make clothes. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So why, so don't, uh, do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And this is the crux here. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know if you can relate to this or not. Maybe you are in a place where you've never been stressed or worried about tomorrow, worried about what will happen, uncertainties that lie ahead. Maybe your life is, is, is perfect and you never experienced these types of things. I experience these types of things and I, I try not to be, but sometimes I worry about these things. I worry about the future because I can't see what's around the corner. And yet I'm told here not to worry. But I'm encouraged to speak to God about my needs, but to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be yours as well. That verse became particularly important to me when I moved out of Mitsubishi, which had been my place of employment for 10 years, up at half six or six every day, depending alternate days, back home, sometimes half past seven, eight o'clock at night, 
Um, worked hard, gave it everything, worked because I felt that's where God called me to be. And then God closed that door. And what he said to me was to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What am I going to do next? What's the next step? But God already had a plan. God was already opening up a door in a place called Crusaders, which is now Urban Saints. And there was a bit of risk attached to taking that step, to walking through that door, but it was the right place at the right time, and God opened that door, and I decided to stand on this word to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And can I tell you that everything that we need Everything that we needed then, everything that we need now, God provides for those needs. We might not have all the security that we like for the future, but God provides for every single need that we have. My encouragement is that we ask God to fill us with his spirit so that we may wait patiently. Don't ask God for patience, okay? Don't pray for patience, whatever you do, because what God will do is he'll put you into a circumstance where he gives you the opportunity to develop patience. So if that's what you're after, pray for patience. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit, one of those characteristics is patience, self-control. Ask God to fill you with his Spirit and you will develop that fruit. Be patient. Because God is coming. God is coming into your situation. Whatever your situation is at the moment. I came across a blog article which I felt was very interesting and and perhaps relevant to share today. And I'm going to put it up on the, the screen. And it says this, I have always been amazed at the advice worldly people give to someone who is hurting. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on, which was an American president that said that. I think it was Roosevelt. Can you see someone dangling over a cliff, holding onto a rope and trying to tie a knot in it? Have you ever imagined that? Yeah, you're hanging at the end of the rope and you're like, oh, I'll just let go so I can tie a knot in it. Bye. How crazy is that? But I get, I get, I get it. I do get it. The first thing we need to Remember is don't demand to understand. And that really spoke to me. Proverbs chapter 3, what does it say? Don't lean on your own understanding. Yeah, that's a challenge for me. I want to lean on my own understanding all the time. Because it's how an engineer's brain works. Cause and effect. There's, there's ways, there's reasons, there's solutions. Do you know what I mean? That, it's just how my mind works. But It says, don't demand to understand. Don't lean on your own understanding. And there are some things in life you and I will just never understand. When God allows darkness to overshadow your life, don't sit about lighting your own fire. That's a recipe for heartache. Trust that his light will come and wait for it. He will come. Believe it. And I read that and I felt very challenged by it. To not lean on my own understanding but to pray that God's spirit would come in and that that fruit of patience would develop in my life as I wait for the things that I'm waiting on an answer from God uh, for. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
Don't try to work it all out. Don't try to bring your own light into the situation because it will just cause confusion. But wait for God's voice. You, second point, are loved. Your value is not measured in your success or your failures. It's measured in the span of a man's arms. And probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible is John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his own Son for you and for me. Therefore, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Therefore, I know that I am valued by God. I am valued enough for God to send his own son, created in his image. I was created in God's image. Sin messed up that image. The solution was Jesus who came and died on a cross, who made it possible for me to have a relationship with Jesus, with God, through Jesus once again. Everything that stops me from having a relationship with him has been dealt with at the cross. All I need to do is accept it. And this is a wee breakdown of John 3 and 16 I came across. I'll put it up on the screen. That God, the almighty authority, God, the almighty authority, there is no higher authority, so loved the world, the mightiest motive. What an incredible motivation. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son the greatest gift. That whoever, which is the widest welcome, every single person, every one of those seven billion people who God knows, the very hairs of whose head are numbered, every one of those seven billion people Include that whoever it is the widest welcome believes in him, which is the easiest escape. Sometimes people think that Christianity is very complicated. It's all about following certain rules and regulations. The Bible tells us that when God comes into our lives, that we sin less, and you know that that, that should be part of it. We're not sinless, but we sin less. But it is the easiest escape. It's about accepting what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The Bible tells us, and it was one of the great discoveries that brought about the Reformation, was the rediscovery of some scripture that told us that our salvation was not by works, but it was by grace through faith. Because if it was about what we could do, our successes, we would all be boasting about it. And the people who are always failing would be incredibly destroyed because they can't succeed. But the incredible thing about the gospel is that it's not about our success or our failure. This great gift that God has given us, this gift of his son, this welcome that he gives us is because of Jesus. Where am I in my notes? It says that we shall not perish. It's the divine deliverance. What is it? We were just sharing this on Wednesday night at Treasure Kids. I was talk- we were talking about lies. I was talking about some of my stories, which caused great hilarity, let me say. And we were sharing from Romans that all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We've been delivered from death. We've been delivered from hell as we sang about this morning. And we have eternal life, which is the priceless possession. God has given us eternal life. Jesus, his loss was my gain. And it's hard to imagine what the days before the cross must have been like for Jesus. Have you ever stopped to read through that and think about that and pray about that and try to understand what it must have been like to be betrayed? To have one of your closest disciples, one of the ones who was with Jesus on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured, one of the three that were always at the center of things to deny that he ever knew Jesus. To have disciples who just weren't getting it. They just didn't get it. They couldn't understand. Disciples who wouldn't even watch with him in prayer but fell asleep, that would have probably have been me. Can you just pray with me for a while without falling asleep? There's a few people looking a bit sleepy in here today. I would have been one of the people who fell asleep. The deep distress that Jesus felt when he was in the garden. So distressed that what came out of his pores was was blood. I've never known anybody to be so distressed that that's the effect it has on their body. And yet in that moment he says, if it's possible to take this cup from me, if you're able to take this away from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he surrenders his will to his father. And then he's misrepresented. He's misrepresented by everybody. He's misunderstood. To go through what Jesus went through physically, to be beaten. And I'll never forget watching that on the Passion and it really disturbed me. And I, I don't think it should be an 18. I think it should be a 55 or something like that. You know that film. Just to see. I know it's only acting. But to see how cruel people can be to another person. And to, to watch that. And to come out of that cinema speechless. And realized that the reason that he allowed himself to go through that was for me. And I think about the failures. I think about the, the things that I do that upset God. And realize that those things are covered by this incredible sacrifice on the cross. He was humiliated. He was mocked. And he, went under, he, he underwent such cruel treatment at the, the hands of other human beings. And eventually, on the cross, when he could say, it is finished. And he could say about the people who were round about him, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. Simply, because he was able to look ahead into time and see the people who are in this room today and say, I love you. 
to say you're valued more than you can ever imagine. It's not about your successes. It's not about your failures. Because God loves you completely. God loves you so much that he doesn't want us to stay the way we are. Okay, Let's get that clear. But he was able to look ahead to your sin and to my sin and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. All because he thought we were worth it. Our relationship with God that was broken through sin, restored, all because God thinks we are worth it. Someone has died for you so that you can experience life, eternal life, so that you can experience freedom, so that you can experience peace, and so that you can experience joy. God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. I don't think we should think of ourselves any less than the way that God thinks of us. I'm not saying we shouldn't have an appreciation of the things that we need to sort out in our lives, but recognize that God has achieved it all for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And I kind of thought I would miss out my last point, I knew I would run out of time. But that's okay, because we'll come to that later on. Let's just bow our heads uh, for a moment. I'm going to invite the welcomers. Trevor and Laura are going to help with communion. If you could, guys, that would be great. Um, and maybe, Steve, you could come up as well. Just as we think about this incredible person who is at the centre of all that we're doing today, this person called Jesus... And he sat with his disciples at the Last Supper and he gave them instructions as to what they would do. He broke bread and they drank wine together. And later a man called Paul talked about this. And this is what he said. We read it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said... This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Father, we thank you for Jesus' sacrifice for us. Father, we thank you for that body which was broken for, all, for us, all of us, simply because you loved us. Father, because you deemed us worthy. And Father, we thank you that in Jesus, the price was paid for our sin. 
And Father, we come before you this morning and we take a moment just to examine ourselves. Father, to look into our own lives and to take a moment just to confess those things where we have fallen short. Father, those things which we would look at as our failures. And Father, we just thank you that you are above our failures. You're above our successes as well. And Father, we thank you that we can experience that love of Jesus. Father, we pray that you come in this moment and that you would meet with us and that as we take, Father, as we take the crackers which remind us of Jesus' body which was broken for us, as we take the juice that reminds us of his blood which was spilled on our behalf, Lord, we pray that as we take these things that we would encounter you in a fresh way today. Father, we just pray that if there are things which are in our hearts, that you give us the courage to confess them to you. Father, so that we might not eat and drink in a way that is unworthy. Father, help us to think about those who are around us as well. And Father, to sort out things which we need to sort out with others, if that's the case too. But Father, we just pray, bless us in this moment. Father, bless this congregation in this moment. Father, that you'd pour out the things which we are in need of today. Father, help us to remember that all these things have been achieved and accomplished in our behalf. It's not not by works, so that none of us can boast that we did it our way and in our own strength. Father, it's all about Jesus. It's all about that grace and that love and that forgiveness that comes from him. So Father, bless this bread and bless this wine to us. In Jesus' name we ask.